The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This is the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. In business, you have to play to win. You need an edge. You'll find that edge in the business locker room. Hey, business is like sports, and I want to bring the locker room to the boardroom. Giving you the playbook and the coaching you need to improve your business performance. With compelling interviews, cutting-edge business tactics and ideas, and the X's and O's segment with Miles Austin. I welcome in my good friend, Miles Austin. Welcome to the business locker room. Now, here is your host, Kelly Riggs. Hey, great to have you on board. Welcome to Biz Locker Radio. It's presented by the Business Locker Room and by Rehearsal VRP. Love those guys over there. Video role play at Rehearsal, a video-based practice platform that gives your team a safe place to develop the communication skills that they need to be better at what they do, whether they're in customer service or sales or whatever the case. They are a title sponsor for us here on BizLocker Radio. It's the weekly show with compelling conversations and, of course, useful content that you can use today. And if you don't get anything from us, I can guarantee you, you will go away from each and every show with something that you can use, something that's going to make a difference in your performance, whether you own a business, sell a product, manage a department, lead a team, definitely the show for you. Thanks for stopping by. And by the way, we're on Blab. Great to have you on board as well. If you're joining us live on Blab, great to be here. We have experts in sales like we do today in sales management, marketing, social media, leadership, business strategy, much, much more. It's Biz Locker Radio, and it's episode number 86, Cracking the Sales Code. And uh, along with us in just a few moments, Jason Jordan will join us. He is the author of the book, Cracking the Sales Management Code. We're going to talk a lot about sales management today and what's going on in that world. But I'm your host. I'm Kelly Riggs. Hey, you can always follow me online on Twitter, at Kelly Riggs. And, of course, you can find all the information about this show, past shows, and catch up at bizlockerradio.com. By the way, you want to do what I do. Man, I tell you, with so many shows, 85 past shows, Subscribe on iTunes, find the shows, download them, and listen to them on your daily commutes or when you have some downtime. So much incredible content. You're absolutely going to take a look at it and take some notes. As you will after today's show, I can assure you, Jason Jordan joins me. Again, I mentioned he is the co-author of the Cracking the Sales Management Code. He was telling me that McGraw-Hill approached him after they had completed some research, and he was presenting some of that to, a, to an audience uh, McGraw-Hill looked him up and said, hey, have you thought about writing a book? And he did, and you need to have it. It's a good one. We're going to talk a lot about it. We're going to talk about a lot of the contents there, the research, and uh, why, why all of those things are there. Assuming I can get him back, Jason, I hope you jump back on, um, jump back on Blab with me. I, I lost you somehow. Not sure why. Huh. Are you me? still there? I am. Oh, <laughs> I, can, I can hear you, but I can't see you, unfortunately. Uh, Jason Jordan uh, ha has worked internationally in industries like technology, manufacturing, 
distribution, construction. Boy, a lot of different verticals there that he's worked in. He's a popular speaker and writer, frequent contributor to Harvard Business Review, Forbes Magazine, Entrepreneur, and a number of others as well. And we welcome him in. You can find him at Vantage, VantagePointPerformance.com. Follow him on Twitter at Jason R. Jordan. Jason, great to have you, man. Thanks for being here. Great. Thanks for having me. All right, so I'm going to reach down and mute you this time, and I should be getting you over my headphones. So, hey, thanks for being here, and thanks for being a part. Hey, let's let's start off talking about uh, a little bit about you. You've been doing what you do now, which is training sales managers for a little while. Tell us a little bit more about how you evolved into that, how you got started, kind of what an average day looks like for you now. <laughs> average day, right. <laughs> so, so, my, um, so my path was basically through sales. sales. Uh, started in sales after I graduated from college. Um, then went to business school at the University of Virginia. Then, as I was, as I was <laughs> telling you earlier, you know, when, when I graduated from business school, there was no such thing as a startup or an IPO. And uh, so you either went into banking or consulting. And so I chose the uh, lesser of the two, I think, and went to went to management consulting. And so then from there went back into sales, back into management consulting, and I ended up doing a lot of work for um, for sales leaders. So a lot of traditional consulting, like uh, territory design, process design, kind of playing the business side of a lot of CRM implementations of incentives and stuff. And, and somewhere along the way, I just kind of observed that uh, sales management was really getting the, the short stick with regard to training and development. And yeah, so, no doubt about, about it. Six or seven years ago, yeah, six, so six or seven years ago, uh, kind of pivoted from consulting to sales leadership and sales managers to, um, to training them. And so our company, Vantage Point, is, uh, we think, um, the global leader in training and developing sales managers. We have a specific focus, actually, on frontline sales leadership because we think that's the, the real lever point in, uh, in any sales force. So yeah, perfect. Hey, do me a quick favor. Technically, reach down and mute me on Blab so you're not getting that double echo. Just go down to the screen where I am and mute that. We're getting an echo a little bit, and some of the guys are commenting. Hey, if you're on Blab, by the way, thanks for joining us there. Great to have you on board. Fantastic conversation coming from Jason Jordan. Again, he's on Twitter, Jason R. Jordan, Vantage Performance. Uh, make sure I get it right. VantagePointPerformance.com is the website where you can find him. Well, tell me, let's, let's start off. Cracking the Sales Management Code has been a great book. People have enjoyed it. Tell us about that research. You said you started doing that, uh, I think, way back in maybe 08. Tell us a little bit about the yep. research. Yes, it's kind of an interesting story, I think. Um, I was probably in 05 or 06. I was at a uh, headquarters of a global financial services company in uh, Manhattan. I mean, to take it all the way back to the beginning. And, uh, and so I was with a, a kind of a mid-level sales leader, and we were having kind of a conversation off to the side before the actual meeting we were there to have. And and he said, you know, I was in the, uh, a meeting the other day with the global head of sales. And uh, the, the global head of sales asked kind of an interesting question. He said, how do I know if my sales force is any good? And it's kind of a simple question. And he's yeah. meant it rhetorically, but, but you know, how do you know if your sales force is any good? You know, this head of sales said, is it because my revenues are going up? You know, well, if the economy goes up, my revenues go up. If my North American sales team is outpacing my European sales team, does that mean they're better? Well, I don't know. What's the regulatory environment? What's the, what's the product? You know, who are the competitors? And one of those questions, it just starts kind of going around and around in your head. And, and so when I had some time in 08, as many of us did in 08, <laughs> we uh, did some research and I thought, you know, what, what if we just started collecting management reports from, um, from our clients and from other large Sales forces, and the, the premise was that you know if you look at what sales forces are measuring, 
and what they're reporting, that must be the measure of good. Right? That must be revealing to those leadership teams as to what the measure of a good sales force is. And, and so it started out as kind of a, a just an area of interest for me, how people were really measuring it. And it you know, kind of that coincides as well, you know, with CRM really taking root a handful of years earlier and you know, the ability to run all these metrics, uh, run all the reports and get all these metrics. And, and so the, you know, the project really started out as a survey of how people were measuring their sales forces and mm. you know, it kind of played itself forward into a lot of different ways. And, um, and just to talk a little bit about the book and kind of the research, the foundational research that underpins it, you know, one of the, one of the biggest things we learned in uh, doing the research was that people measure a lot of stuff. Yeah. And interestingly, when we started looking at what they were measuring, um, we started thinking, you know, so we report a lot of stuff. There are a lot of metrics on these, on these reports. You know, can we really manage these numbers? You know, you know, if someone gives you a report and it says, here's your revenue growth for the year, there's some expectation that as a manager or leader, you're going to do something to go to that number. Or if you get a report that says your customer retention is 85%, there's kind of this understanding that you're going to do something to make that 86 and 87 and 80. And so ultimately, you know, where we kind of looked at and said, a lot of the stuff that we're measuring, we can't really manage at all. You know, we talk about managing revenue, but you can't manage revenue. If you could, everyone would make their quota. And so, the, you know, one of the most interesting things out of the research is we did kind of categorize and, and look at the numbers and kind of came to the conclusion that, you know, we spend a lot of time staring at reports that we can't change. And, you know, sales management gets up in the morning and Monday morning and they're looking at their, their sales reports and they're all concerned. But in reality, the only thing you can manage is activity. And so right. one, of the, you know, one of the most foundational things that we talk about is the sales management and sales people uh, need to be focused on the things they can control. And those are the things they do. And the conversations that they have and the people they visit and the calls they make. You know, and, and stop obsessing over how big the pipeline is and stop obsessing over whether you made your quota last quarter because that doesn't have an impact on the quota next quarter. So the, the research kind of started out as, a, as an investigation of how people were measuring good in their sales forces and kind of ended up in a place which was more interesting, which is that, you know, we all have reporting, we all create a bunch of metrics, but they're not all created equal. And most of the ones, 83, 83% actually of the ones in the study are un, completely unmanageable. They're just things we really? can fret wow. over but can't do anything with. Yeah. Yeah, give me some example of some of the uh, the metrics that you found that were really unusable or unmanageable, didn't really work for people, yet they, they were spending a lot of time with. Yeah, so we came up with three different levels of metrics, if you will, kind of based on the manageability of them. And so the first level, at the highest level, we call it business results. And, and those are things like revenue, right, and profitability and market share and customer satisfaction and all the stuff that we want and all the stuff that we get hired to do, we get fired if we don't do it, Um but we can't manage those things. You can't manage customer uh, satisfaction and market share and revenue. You know, the level, level below that, we call them sales objectives. And these are the things that the sales force is actually asked to do, like acquire customers and sell certain types of products and retain and grow existing accounts. Um, but even those things you can't manage directly because the customer has to agree to be a customer. Sure. A, uh, you know, a customer has to agree to buy a certain product from you. And so the things at the bottom of the hierarchy uh, we call sales activities. And those are things that are it's kind of self-evident, but making calls, um, you know, planning for your calls, doing account planning. Uh, if you're a manager, coaching. Uh, if you're a sales enablement uh, professional, kind of the sales enablement stuff, providing tools, providing training to the sales force. And so, um, you know, the, the, the punchline is that if you really want to drive performance, if you want to get to the business results, if you want to get to the revenue you need, you can't focus on the revenue, right? That's the outcome. That's the kind right. of a rear view mirror measure. And what you right. really need to be doing on a daily basis is making sure your salespeople are thinking and doing the right things. 
And as a sales manager, that means then you have to be thinking and doing the right things. And so it's a it's a simple idea. You know, it's say it's like uh, so we're just after the new year here, right? Plenty of people probably made resolutions to be healthier in the new year. You know, that's <laughs> great. You know, that that'll be the ultimate result of a lot of stuff you can do. Right. And you know. Whether your idea of health is losing uh, weight or whether it's adding lean muscle mass or whether it's lowering your cholesterol, you know, those are objectives. The, the, the way, you know, the activities, the things you actually engage in differ, right? You might eat something different to add lean muscle than you would to, to uh, lower your cholesterol. And so it's, it's that same simple concept that there are things in the sales force that are controllable. There are things that are uncontrollable. And until you know the difference between the two, uh, you pretty much spend your time running around in circles, which is what we see a lot of sales yeah. forces doing. Yeah, you're just basically creating reports for the for the reason of creating reports. I mean, you're generating a lot of data, Jason, but you're not really getting anything useful out of it that you can create changes with. Hey, my guest is Jason Jordan. Thanks for joining us on Blab. Find him, by the way, on Twitter. Jason R. Jordan is his Twitter handle and also vantagepointperformance.com. You can find out much more about him and the fabulous book, Cracking the Sales Management Code. He came out with that in 2012. You know, I think it's a really, really great analogy that if I decide I want to lose 25 pounds on January the 1st and I go in and weigh myself every day to see if it's working, I, I get a weight, but it doesn't have any indication whatsoever if I'm doing the things that would, that would enable me to lose that weight. And in that sense, you're 100% right. Everybody wants to track numbers, but they're tracking the results, Jason, not really managing the activities that create those results. And so people get sideways. Was was that some kind of big revelation to a lot of people? I mean, did you really open up some eyes with that? Yeah, believe it or not, it, it is um, revealing to a lot of people. You know, it's... Um, so let me, let me step back. So, so I don't know if you know Neil Rackham. He wrote a book called Spin Selling. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, great book, great guy. Absolutely. And... Uh, so I worked with him quite a bit earlier in my career, and he said something kind of interesting. He said, Jason, if, if I have to work too hard to explain something to someone, I can be pretty sure that I've gotten it wrong. <laughs> he, said, he said, when I can you know, add value is when I can take something that people know intuitively and make it explicit so that sure. they can use it. And so I think a lot of what we write about, a lot of what we talk about, the way we try to position things is, um, is simple I mean, you think about it, it's an intuitive uh, kind of idea that you grasp. Well, of course, I can only manage the things that I do, and I can only manage the things that my salespeople do, but you know, it's not the way most people think. It's not the way we're told to think in the sales force. We're given a right. quota, which is an outcome. Uh, we're told to manage to that quota, which is an outcome, and we can't manage to it. So, you know, I think it is a revelation, and, and it's not a revelation in the way that you have to sit down and explain something for three or four days at a time to someone to get them to understand it. It's one of those things that once you point it out, you know, it's almost common sense. And I think in many ways, we're not a training firm as much as we're an education firm. Um, I think that you know, sales managers are smart people. And if you kind of present them with the ideas and the frameworks that are simple and intuitive, they know what to do with them. And so you know, it, it is a revelation that you just focus on what you can do. And it's, it's, it sets you free. Yeah, it's really interesting when you present it that way, because you're, you're right, it is common sense. And yet, uh, we're really obsessive with, with the numbers, which happen to be the results and not the activities. But one of the things I can hear sales managers saying if they're, they're tuning in, listening today, or watching us on Blab, they're saying, yeah, but look, if you're, you're, you're measuring sales calls, Jordan. I mean, all sales calls are not created equal. People can go out and make a bunch of sales calls and not really create any meaningful activity. Uh, what, what good does it do me to manage the number or measure the number of sales calls that they make? Well, there are two things. So there's quality and there's quantity. And I think that historically sales has been driven and managed by the assumption that if you do more, you get more. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, the, 
I mean, quite literally. It, I mean, think about it. Absolutely. If the sales sees something going wrong, you say hire more salespeople, make more sales calls, you know, goose the incentives to make people work harder. And I think that you know, it's funny if you ask a sales leader, which I do often, you know, would you rather your salespeople work harder or smarter? They'll go, well, of course I want them working smarter. But I also think they could probably work a little harder, too. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You hear that all so, the time. Yeah, yeah. So there's, so there's definitely the, um, you know, there's definitely the uh, idea that you can measure activity, and I think to some extent you could. There, there's, a, but you also need to measure the quality of the activity, and so there's, um, there's that. And then, then there's also the, the bigger issue, really, quite honestly, is identifying what's the right activity, what are the high impact activities, and so you know, for some people, making a lot of sales calls is actually a high impact activity. The more transactional your sale, you know, the more you're, you will sell. Um, but there are other sales roles where the level of activity is not really that indicative of your, uh, how you're going to perform. And that might be right. someone who is a strategic account manager. So the last pure full-time sales job I had, I was an account manager. I had exactly one account, literally one account. We did $7 million wow. a year with just one account. And, uh, you know, I, sometimes if I made fewer calls, I was a more effective salesperson because I, had to, you know, I might take right. two days to plan for a single sales call with an executive. And so it's um, so the real challenge is not measuring the activity, and the real um, issue is not driving activity in the sales force. The real issue and the real challenge is identifying what activity is the important stuff to do. And Absolutely. if you can identify that, the important stuff to do, then measuring it is just a, you know, that's a, a logical next step. Absolutely right. Jason Jordan is my guest, and uh, he, again, is the author of Cracking the Sales Management Code. Some very, really straightforward things for sales managers to think about uh, in, in terms of what they measure and what they don't measure. But, you, you know, again, I, I like your viewpoint. It's really simplistic in a lot of ways, but it's uh, so simplistic, I think people tend to try to overcomplicate it. You find that in a lot of industries. You know, a lot of people want to impress you with how smart they are, and they're really not getting anywhere down down to the actual things that work. When you look at different industries, Jason, I assume there are different activities that relate to the bottom line, that every industry is not the same, that you're not always measuring the same activities for any given industry or a particular type of sales. But is there some commonality? Are there, are there some tips that you can give people that are tuning in? Are there some things that they need to go look at very specifically? I think there sure are. And actually, you know, so we work with sales management. And I would say that um, the distinction between industry and different types of sales is very uh, stark for the frontline sales people. I think what you're selling and to whom you're selling it makes a huge difference in the way that a salesperson approaches their job. But, you know, as you go higher and higher into sales management, a lot of the issues start to look very similar. Um, because, you know, from a sales manager's perspective, um, it really comes down to a handful of things. It comes down to, uh, and these are the things that we would tell almost anyone in, in any industry, you know, you, you probably need more rigor in the way you're managing your sales team. Um, you probably need to have more one-on-one -on -one meetings uh, and have real conversations. Right? Don't, don't just get together with your salespeople and scrub data, scrub reports, make sure that right. the CRM data is updated. I mean, when, you, when you take the time to sit down with someone, have an agenda. You know, have an understanding on both sides, in the salesperson and the, and the manager, as to what the conversation is going to be and what the outcomes are. And you know, literally, I've seen very few leadership teams or management teams where a little extra rigor couldn't help. Yeah, um, so, one, so one thing is just you know, being more rigorous about what it is you're doing and how you're interacting with your salespeople. And then, you know, the other thing we just talked about is you have to focus on getting your salespeople doing the right things. Sure. Right? And, and for some people, it's as simple as focusing on the right prospects and the right customers. Um, for other people, it's um, you know doing call planning before they go in so that they can have high impact conversations. For other people, like you know, in my old days, uh, I spent a lot of time doing account planning and account strategy. 
Um, and if you're a sales manager, then in addition to uh, managing, which I talked about, kind of having that rigor in the interactions, you know, coach. And it's really important. And how many sales forces measure the hours of coaching that take place? Not yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely right. Jason Jordan is our guest, and we're going to come right back after our first time out. And we'll continue our conversation. I want to explore this idea of one-on-ones and coaching and that kinds of things. If you're tuning in and you're a sales manager, much more great content to come. We're going to take a short time out. We'll be back. By the way, later in the show, Miles Austin will join me. He's the uh, fill the funnel guy. He's the web tools guy. We've got a brand new tool to talk about today, something that can make you more productive. That's in the X's and O's segment. He'll come on right after Jason Jordan is done. We're going to do another segment with him, and we'll do that right after this timeout. We'll be right back. I'm Kelly Riggs. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a sales strategist and leadership coach. Now in his ninth year as founder and president of the Business Locker Room, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon or at bizlockerroom.com. For more information on hiring this two-time National Salesperson of the Year to speak at your next event or to train your leadership team, visit bizlockerroom.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Hi, I'm John Spence, one of the top 100 business thought leaders in the world, and you're listening to the Business Locker Room with Kelly Riggs. Hey, welcome back. Business Locker Room. Biz Locker Radio brought to you by the Business Locker Room and by the good guys over at Rehearsal VRP. And uh, we're, we're talking with uh, Jason Jordan. We're going to talk more about sales management. Thanks for joining us. If you're live on Blab, great to have you. By the way, if you want to jump in an open seat, we'll take a couple of questions. You just got to stay there until we finish a thought, and then we'll pick you up as well. Hey, a question before the break, uh, Jason. Let's, let's feel this one. Million Dollar Bill asked this question. Do you feel the larger the company, the larger amount of useless data and reports that get generated, and how do these companies stop doing this? I'm going to jump out on a limb and say the answer to that is probably yes. The bigger the company, the more complexity, right? Well, yes and no. I mean, at this point, you know, everyone's kind of coalescing on CRM, right? I mean, and there, there's no one we work with that doesn't have some form of CRM because in the last 10 years, it's become relatively inexpensive. You know, CRM used to be something that was a huge IT implementation. You had to spend $50 million to get it going. And now for, you know, $10 a month, uh, everyone can have a CRM system. And so right. I think the, you know, the... the the larger the company may be the more reports. I think what I would say across the board is that people create too many reports. I don't care what size the organization is. And there's actually a kind of a flaw in the reasoning. So I think that another thing we've seen in the last decade or so is sales operations groups and sales enablement groups have really come into the fore. You know, 15 years ago, you couldn't find a VP of sales operations in any organization. Now they're commonplace. Right. And so, you know, the, 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 the assumption that people get wrong is they think that if they give the field more data, they'll manage better. 
And in reality, it's the exact opposite has been our observation. Um, we think the more data you give the sales team, the more overwhelmed they are and the less they pay attention to it. We had a, had a, a client of ours who, uh, who said they took their, sale, their CRM tool. Uh, they said they'd had one for you know, decades, but it was really only been in the last couple of years that the sales team really grabbed onto the CRM tool and it became you know, a part of their lives. Right? They became right. fans of using it as opposed to something they were obliged to use. And so we thought, what did you do? And they said, uh, we, did, we really just did two things. First, we really started to focus on the activities in the sales, um, in the CRM tool. And secondly, we took the number of reports we provided in the tool from over 100 to 12. Wow. And so, but think about what happens here. You know, so when you take the number of reports the sales manager can go in and, and get from over 100 down to 12, you really focus them on what you think are the important things. Absolutely. So it's much easier to give 100 reports and let the sales team try to figure it out for themselves than take the time to go, you know what, these are actually the important reports. These are the things that are going to guide the sales force in the right direction. These are the metrics that the sales managers and the sales people actually need to know whether they're succeeding. And so I think that, by and large, everyone produces too many reports. Um, and the, you know, the, the trick is, and the hard thing is, to have fewer, not more. And I think that's, the, that's part of the, you know, I talked earlier about kind of the irony that we, uh, focus on things that we can't actually control. Right. And I think this is another one of those things. And, you know, again, when you explain it to someone, they go, oh, yeah, that kind of makes sense. I, I guess I didn't think about it. Um, but actually, less data is better if you have the right data, just like focusing on activities and fewer activities is more important if you know what are the right activities. So that's the, that's the real light we're trying to shine on sales and sales management is you know, provide some simple frameworks where people can do a quick analysis, back of the envelope, something pretty simple, uh, and get quickly to the idea of what they should be doing and how to manage those things effectively. Because sales is too complex. And sales management is too complex. And we've made it that way, thinking we're doing it a favor. But in reality, we're doing uh, doing it a great disservice. Yeah, and it's, it's almost uh, counterintuitive, isn't it, Jason? Because the more data and more reports you're generating, the more you actually kind of feel like you can pat yourself on the back and say, well, I really got a handle on things and I know what's going on and I can answer all those arcane questions that I'm going to get from my boss, whether it's the CEO or GM or VP of sales or whatever the case may be. So you, you've, got, you've got some to overcome some real reluctance to give that up because more data feels like more control. But like you said, actually getting down to the real nitty-gritty of what you actually need is what's going to do two things. It's going to free up a lot of time for you, and it's also going to actually give you better information across the board. Yep, exactly right. So less is more. Yeah, I love that. That's a great takeaway for today. Well, let's, let's, let's jump then. You're, you're training sales managers, and you're trying to train them on how to be more effective in the big picture, understanding data more effectively, getting to the activities that really move the needle and measuring those things. But now, now they've got salespeople they have to manage. And of course, they come in all shapes and sizes and performance levels. And coaching, you've mentioned a couple of times, it's a big deal. Where do you start in that arena? How do you make people better coaches? How do you give them more, more of a sense of being a coach? Yeah, so coaching is one of the sales coaching is one of those terms that means pretty much everything and nothing, you know, everyone and no <laughs> one at the true. same time. Sure. Yeah, it's like the term sales process. And in the book, we tried to shed some light on what a sales process is and put some rigor around it. But sales coaching is exactly the same thing. It's a, you know, it's, a, it's a term that's been around and used, and there have been coaching methodologies in place for decades. Right. And, you know, in our mind, that's part of the problem is the coaching models we're still using are decades old. And so we've obviously spend a lot of time thinking about this and, and doing research into it. And I think the, the, the most foundational um, recommendation I can give to someone who is considering deploying a coaching model is to think very specifically about what the coaching is meant to change. 
Right. right. So when you, it's a very generic coaching training that you would get, the coaching models, really about how to have a conversation and how to set a yeah. safe environment for, a, for an intervention. And, you know, that's good, and those conversations have to happen when there's a problem. But what most people do Monday to Friday in sales is pursue opportunities and talk to customers and try to win deals and manage the pipeline. And so the, you know, the most important uh, distinction I think people need to come to with when it comes to sales coaching is understand that coaching isn't coaching isn't coaching. Uh, you know, if you, want, if, you, if you came up and said, we want our salespeople to manage their pipelines better, we can put together a coaching program for that, right? Right. a very specific activity. If you said, we want our salespeople to be better at managing their territories and prioritizing their effort across, we can train sales managers to coach to that. Uh, but the biggest thing that we're fighting with coaching is just this idea that it's this generic skill that you know, once you teach someone how to coach, they're going to know what to do and they're going to become better managers. And in reality, <laughs> the problem with most training that sales managers get is that it's useless. You know, it doesn't actually apply to anything they do that has an impact on their salespeople's lives. And so that's one of the things we're trying to do. Again, it's kind of getting back to that idea that you have to focus on the right activity. And once you get that activity identified, you have to coach to that activity. And coaching someone to have a better pipeline is not the same as coaching someone to make a better sales call. It's not the same as coaching someone to manage their accounts more strategically. Yeah, Jason Jordan is my guest. I, you know, that's some of the some of the best live input I, I think I've gotten and seen in, in quite some time. Because it, again, it's one of those things when you think about it long enough, Jason, it makes the most sense in the world. I coached kids and I coached football for twenty years, and if somebody was going to teach me how to coach and they were teaching me, you know, how to get in front of the kid and how to have a safe conversation, all that, I, I'm not going to teach them how to be a better football player. Just learning how to have a conversation with them. I actually have to understand what their problem is, what's not working on the field, how to do things differently, and I have to get granular enough to change their behavior and help them see some some positive changes and create some confidence. And simply learning how to talk to a kid certainly not going to they're not it's not going to do it for me. That's right. And I mean you've heard the stories obviously of John Wooden and a lot of the great coaches in the past. They don't actually do much other than just try to get people to do the very basic stuff very well. Right? I mean, right. it's said that John Wooden, the basketball coach, they didn't scrimmage a lot in practice. They ran drills and drills and drills and drills. And it, it, even at a professional level, you know, the sales, I'm mean, sorry, the um, professional athletes are still doing drills and drills Absolutely. and drills to make the skills. And so, as you said, you know, you can take a coach aside and teach them how to talk to his players and how to motivate them. And this is the kind of stuff that they're taught. But in reality, you want to break the practice in half and you know, spend time coaching someone to tackle and spend time coaching someone to throw a ball and spend time coaching someone right. to, to block. And, and that's a, 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 actually a pretty good analogy. So the, you know, the, so the task that most sales managers have before them is to think about their particular salespeople and understand what are the skills they need. Like literally, tactically, actively, what are the things that people need to be doing to succeed? And then you can coach those very specific things. And you can have a huge impact by focusing on a very few things if they're the right things. Yeah, that's great stuff. By the way, speaking of practice, BizLocker Radio brought to you by Rehearsal VRP. You can find them at Rehearsal.com, and they're all about the practice. And, Jason, I think that's one of my pet peeves in the world. When I came into the world of selling, my boss wouldn't even let me talk to a customer, a prospect, until I could demonstrate that I actually knew what I was doing. And so it required me to practice a, a lot of different kinds of skills, right? I had I had to learn how to not only present the product, but ask the right questions and deal with objections and all those basic building blocks. You called it blocking and tackling. I love that. Why, why is it that sales managers don't understand that it's really better for your people to practice here in the office and not out on your clients? That doesn't seem to go very well. 
Well, I mean, just talk about sales managers for a second, um, kind of more generally. I, I, I honestly think they're the most important role in any sales force, maybe even in the entire organization. Yeah, um, I agree with that. And I think they're also one of the most neglected. Like, this, is how your, this is how your career goes in sales. You start out in sales, you become pretty successful, you're successful for a few years, you get promoted to sales manager. Now, right. while you were a salesperson, you've been trained, you've been coached, you've been given tools to do your job all the better, you've been measured, you've been, and then the moment you become a sales manager, you're ignored. <laughs> it's like the loneliest, the loneliest <laughs> place in a sales force. I gotta laugh because it's, I mean, it's so true. It's just, it's, it's comical. I, I know. It's absolutely true. Yeah, so you stop getting trained, uh, you stop getting coached. Uh, no one really knows how to measure a sales manager's effectiveness. And I think that's one of the big issues with sales. I mean, what's a good sales manager? Their sales right. people, you know, if their sales people roll up to their quota, I mean, a, a good one or two good sales people on a sales team can mask a bad sales manager because they're going to pull. Yeah, I mean, so it's, I think the sales manager role itself is something that requires more attention, uh, more definition, uh, more thinking about what are the skill sets that are important, more thinking about what the role is vis-a-vis the sales people, and uh, there's just a lot of work to be done there. And so, you know, and I don't blame the sales managers because they were successful salespeople. They were absolutely. Promoted. They're all smart. They're all motivated. They have incentive compensation just like everyone else. The fact is, we just kind of ignore them, and we assume that since they succeeded as a salesperson, they'll succeed as a coach. And you can, I mean, you can go back to the sports analogies all day long. I mean, Michael Jordan being a coach. I mean, you don't take the best salespeople, uh, best uh, basketball players, and make them head coaches. It doesn't always no. turn out. And so that's right. what we do. That's what we do. Yeah, but let's look at it from a corporate perspective. So you and I are both on the same sales team. Uh, you're you're the top guy. I'm somewhere in the middle. And they say, well, you know, Jason is a great sales guy, but he's 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 going to be miserable as a coach. He's he's a little standoffish. He likes to do things his way. He doesn't really have a lot of patience with people. But guys, if we make the this Riggs guy the sales manager, I mean, it, first off, Jason's not going to respect him because he's never shown that he can do it as well as Jason. So I mean, we're kind of stuck, aren't we? I mean, if we take yeah. our best guys, sometimes we don't get. We don't get what we want, but if we take our middle guys, we might we might blow up our culture. I mean, how, how, how do you get around that? Oh, I agree. I mean, you're not going to take your worst salesperson and make them <laughs> make them a, or a even an average guy. Happen. A lot of times, right? I mean, he doesn't I, have. I totally, I totally agree. The um, so the, the but the problem is not that we take our best salespeople and make them managers. The problem is we ignore them after the after the fact. Right, right. Um, you know, when, when we work with uh, our clients and we train the sales managers, one of the things we try desperately to get. To happen is for their managers to coach them. And it's kind of an interesting dynamic when you start to get a VP of sales or a regional vice president to, to coach on a regular basis a sales manager. You know, it, it, it's another thing that doesn't, it makes total sense. Like, but, you know, you train your salespeople, you expect the sales managers to reinforce and develop that skill set. You train the sales managers, then their managers should be the ones to coach. It, it, and when, when the VPs get engaged in that activity, which is something they never thought about, actually coaching their managers, they really enjoy it, and it has a really big impact. Yes. And so it's, you know, it's one thing after another. So the, the issue isn't that we put our best salespeople. The issue is we don't treat, teach them how to manage. And managing is very different than selling. And you can succeed in sales if you have one or two very specific skills, right? depending on the sales role and depending on your personality and everything. But a sales manager is kind of a jack-of-all-trades, right? I mean, you've got to be yeah. part business analyst, part trainer, part coach, part leader, part salesperson, part HR, part... I mean, it, it go, part IT director anymore, you know, and so it's a, it's a, it's just that that one moment you get promoted to a sales manager and you're so psyched about it, and then six months later you're like, damn, this is terrible. <laughs> what was <laughs> I thinking? <laughs> yeah. 
I just want to go back to my simple little world, you know, where I was a successful That's right. sales guy. Well, especially when you in. throw in, Jason, that it, it's, it's very commonplace in terms of the compensation packages that your top sales guy is typically going to make the most money, and your, your sales managers won't be that guy. They won't be the guys making the most money. And based on what we're talking about, that's, that's a little bit counterintuitive. The great sales manager is worth his weight many times over, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the leverage point there can't be overstated. And that's one of the things that we um, kind of like about our role in the world as trainers and sales managers. Now, you may have one-tenth as many sales managers as you have salespeople. And I can tell you that we've seen incredible increases in salesperson performance never training a salesperson, but just training that manager. Because in most, a lot of sales forces, maybe even most sales forces these days, the sales manager is really the only part of the organization that a salesperson talks to with any consistency. That's right. right? Yeah. We're virtual. We're, we're living in you know, distant offices. If you can't get the sales manager right, you can't affect any change in the sales force, whether it's implementing CRM, whether it's implementing a new sales process. But if you can get the sales manager to get, get the head in the right place and get the skill set and understanding what their role is, you can move the earth in a sales force. And so the, that, that one point of leverage is totally underappreciated. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Well, it's interesting. We have a comment from Million Dollar Bill on Blab, and he says those are totally different skill sets, aren't they? Absolutely. Sales and sales management are completely different sales or skill sets in the sense that knowing how to sell is just a very small piece of what makes you effective as a sales manager. And the, the, the tricky thing about sales management is they're responsible for the engagement of their people. And, Jason, we know from extensive amount of data out there is that People quit their managers, you know, when their manager's not right. effective, they're not good, and those kinds of things. So now you're really going down a bad path. You take your great salesperson, make them a manager, they become ineffective, they lose the engagement of their salespeople, they start losing, you know, you start losing their good people as well. I mean, this, this cycle can really get destructive in a hurry, and it all comes down to the fact that people haven't figured out you need to train your sales managers to be good leaders. Yep, I totally agree. Well, let's talk about, before we quit, we just got just a couple of minutes. I want to talk about hiring. It, it, you still have to have good players on your team to create great results. And, and again, sales managers not getting training, that typically includes hiring. They don't get any help with hiring as well. Give us some of your perspective on, in that arena. Well, it's not an area that we spend a lot of time thinking about, quite honestly. Um, I mean, I have some thoughts, but it wouldn't be that all that educated. <laughs> okay. So I, really, I, um, you've been out there a long time. I'd love to hear them. Yeah, so, you know, we... Um, Again, we focus on training sales managers to do very specific things. Maybe hiring would be the next one we focus on. You know, we start with how to use metrics better to coach right. and manage. We talk about how to have a healthier sales pipeline, how to coach deals through the pipeline to closure. Um, we, we started doing some research on uh, forecasting, which is really fascinating uh, because it gets so much attention in the sales force and it creates so little value right, <laughs> in right. the sales force. And so, uh, by the time you get to the hiring and uh, hiring and uh, recruiting, there are other people out there that could talk better about it than me. But the very um, good, very good. Well, know, I appreciate the, truth it. Is, the reality of it is, you, you kind of got who you got, right? I mean, in the near term, you're not going to wash out your sales force and your sales management team. You, you really true. have to be focused on how to get the most out of what you have. And so that's kind of the reality that we we address. Is look. Here's your sales team. Here's your sales management team. In 10 years, you could turn them all over. In 10 days or 10 months, you won't. So how do you get to your quota by the end of the year? And it's generally through better training, better, better um, coaching, and better management. Yeah, I think that's great perspective. You mentioned it earlier. I mean, once your, your sales manager becomes a better coach, then clearly the people that you do have that are good, you're going to elevate their game dramatically. They're going to become much more engaged, and you're going to move the needle. You found that to be true. Really appreciate your insights, Jason. That's great stuff. Hey, 
Jason R. Jordan. That's where he is on Twitter, at Jason R. Jordan. You can go find him and the, the incredible book, Cracking the Sales Management Code at VantagePointPerformance.com. Hey, thanks for your time. Jason, great, great to have you on board. Thanks for helping us out today. Thanks, Kelly. Appreciate it. That's good stuff. Hey, we're going to take our final time out. We're going to come back on the other side. If you're with us live or if you're listening to the podcast or if you're live on Blab, make sure you find us on Blab. Engage with us uh, on video. Interact with our guests. Uh, we do it each and every week. Hey, great to have you. We're going to take our final time out. X is an O segment on the other side. Miles Austin, the fill the funnel guy, the web tools guy, he's going to give us something new to play with. We'll be right back after this time out. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a sales strategist and leadership coach. Now in his ninth year as founder and president of the Business Locker Room, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon or at bizlockerroom.com. For more information on hiring this two-time National Salesperson of the Year to speak at your next event or to train your leadership team, visit bizlockerroom.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. This is Dan Walshman, and you're listening to the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. Hey, great to have you back on Business Locker Radio. And my good buddy, Miles Austin, is going to join us, and we're going to talk about a brand-new tool. Hey, let me tell you about my buddies over at Rehearsal VRP. Listen, we, we talked with Jason about practice, and it's, you can't, it's very difficult to get salespeople to practice anymore. It just seems like they're... They're, they're too weak, you know, they're soft. They don't want to be embarrassed in front of their peers, which is code for I'm not doing very well out in the field. I don't want you to know it. Hey, enough of that nonsense. Rehearsal.com, you can find a fantastic tool that will enable your people to have the capability to practice their presentations and communication skills and all kinds of role play scenarios, and they can do it in the privacy of their office right there in front of their webcam. Make sure you go check it out. Jeff Curlis and Derek Volpe on the guys, thanks to them for being a sponsor of the X's and O's segment and a part of BizLocker Radio. But uh, it is a phenomenal tool. If you're a sales manager, you owe it to yourself. Go check them out, Rehearsal.com. We welcome in Miles Austin. He's not feeling as well as we would like him to, but look at him. He's doing. He's with us. He, he, he's jumping in there. Miles, how you doing, man? <laughs> yeah, hey, buddy, yeah. I should be. Uh, it's, not, it's not the show, by the way. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm fighting a cold. I realized when I'm, uh, now that I'm a grandpa, I, I forgot what it's like to not have little kids around the house. And I had my boys uh, a couple days in the last week, and uh, man, I got a cold again. So here we go. Oh, well, hey, great to have you, man, and and I know that uh, it, it does take a lot to jump in and and be the guy that you are, you know, when you don't feel well. So thanks for doing that. You've got a you've got an interesting tool for us this week. It's called Pablo. Did I understand that correctly? Yep, Pablo. Um, it's a great tool. I look. It's all based on the premise that and the research that shows that your tweets, your shares on LinkedIn and on Facebook, etc., will be reshared. 
between 60 and 70 something percent based on who you're talking to and which research you've done. Okay. So an image gives you the power to get more, I hate to say the word viral, but gives you more shares, more interest. It captures people's attention. Sure. And I find it's just a royal pain to have to go craft a an image, especially if I want to take text and put it on top. So um, buffer uh, bufferapp.com is a very, very popular tool. Um, they brought out um, a short time ago a, a graphic creation tool that's embedded right within Buffer App called Pablo. Okay. Uh, so you get to it by just going to buffer.com slash Pablo. Um, and what's really nice about this is you've got, uh, it's kind of like Photoshop for salespeople. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's That works. Yeah, it, at least for me it does, right? I mean, it's... <laughs> It gives you the ability to grab some great um, images. They've got a nice selection built in there. Um, and there's 30,000 plus more images you can search from as well. But, you know, it's different scenes. It's traffic. It's buildings. It's outdoors. It's forests, whatever, you name it. But you can find an image that fits the message or the tweet you're sending out. You can then add text or quotes on top of it. You can change the contrast. You can make the background blurry. You can make it black and white. You can make it sepia, etc. But most importantly, for me anyway, is I now have the ability. I click on what selection, uh, where I'm going to share this. So if I click on uh, the uh, box for Pinterest, it gives me a tall, skinny image with the text on it. If right. I want to share it over to Instagram, I click the square button. And if I want to do it on Facebook or Twitter or and Twitter even, um, I click the wide option. And it formats it and does it all for me. So it's instant. What's nice as well is it's already built into Buffer App, which everyone should be looking at to use um, as a primary distribution vehicle for all their social media sharing. Wow, that's I, I love that. I mean, to me, it sounds a little bit like Canva. <coughs> We've talked a little bit about Canva, and it's it has that capability of doing that too. But when you integrate it right into Buffer, then it becomes a tool that may, it's a lot. E it sounds to me like it'd be a lot easier to use and integrate into the social work you're doing. Well, it is, and I think you know what's nice is they've got all the formats right there. So I can literally, I have my tweet, I search for an image, I put in a quote or some text, I click on which platform I'm going to put it. It does all that for you. So wow. uh, many times I end up not doing an image. I just don't. I'm just lazy. I just don't want to take the time to go do it. Right. <laughs> right. And this way you do it. It's, it pops. The images are beautiful. The text and everything repositions based on what format it is. It's a great tool, and it'll save you a lot of time. And most importantly, if you use it, now you're going to get higher level of shares because why? Because people are able to see the image, it catches their eye, they'll read your tweet, they'll look at your content, and that's what the game's all about anyway. Hey, he's Miles Austin. He's called the Web Tools Guy. Find him at fillthefunnel.com. Follow him on Twitter at Miles Austin. I suspect most of you, if not all of you, know who Miles is. He tends to be the most popular part of the show because he gives you real practical things that you can take back and use and that's why we designed the X's No segment. Something to really move the needle on what you're doing right now. Hey, I want to talk a little bit more about Pablo, get a little more detail. But before we do that, tell me about uh, the virtual sales kickoff. You guys did that last week. You and five other powerhouse sales guys went out and really made a splash with over, what, six, 7,000 people. How did that go? Yeah, it was, it was a fantastic event. Um, you know, I do webinars every week. Um, a lot of private, some public, some large forum, some small forum. And I can't tell you the last time, it's been a while since I had people in the chat room during that event going, wow, 
the hour's already over. Can we go? Can we extend it? Can we do more? Uh, <laughs> can we get thought, more free stuff? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just right. uh, usually it's like, okay, thanks, or I'll come back and watch the replay or whatever. They wanted to keep going. The interaction, the chats, that was one thing that jumped out at me. And, and uh, you know, the, the size, yes, but when you look at the people that are speaking, uh, they've got a great audience. They're very committed, very loyal. The other thing that jumped out at me, and you can see it when you go to the replay link, is a worldwide audience. No, I mean, it's phenomenal. It literally, you saw, when everyone was putting in where they're from, and South Africa and Uruguay, and, I mean, countries I didn't even know where they were. I had to go look at a map on a couple because <laughs> I was just curious. Yeah, but that's not saying much. I mean, you barely know where Oklahoma is. I tried to forget <laughs> Oklahoma. That's the difference. <laughs> You're so bad. Wow. Well, that, that sounds pretty spectacular. What was the final count and uh, final tally in terms of number of people? Uh, over six thousand something. I, you know, we'll wow. we'll continue. We'll have we'll put a couple thousand people in over the next month of people that weren't able to get to it or hadn't registered but want to see it now or have heard the buzz, and they'll wow. go in. You just you can register and pop. You'll pop right into the replay. But uh, over six thousand people at the, when we were live. Hey, we shared that app or app that the uh, the link would rather for the virtual sales kickoff. Is it easy for you to share that today so people can go check the replay? Yeah, I'll go find it real quick. Um, I'll I'll do it while we're talking here. And uh, I, absolutely, I just... well, I'll I'll talk a little bit more about rehearsal again. I want to remind you that if you're in sales or in sales management, and I don't care where you, which position you occupy, if you're a salesperson and you want to get better at what you do, explain to me why you don't practice. You're the only person, the only professional on the planet that doesn't practice. Athletes practice, everybody else practices to get better at what they do. And if you're really going to refine your skills and you're going to be the best that you can be, you need to practice. How do you do that? Well, one of the great tools that you can use is rehearsal. Rehearsal VRP, video role play. Rehearsal.com is a place where you can find that. And it's created by salespeople for salespeople. It's become a huge success. And you want to go look at it and look at the opportunity maybe to have your company. But it's so price competitive it's unbelievable it's very inexpensive to use and you have the opportunity to take that tool and get better at what you do but set that aside you don't want to go check out rehearsal you don't have uh, any spare money because your sales aren't as good as they should be right now why aren't you practicing I mean back in the old days back uh, when Miles and I were a little bit younger uh, some some years ago we did all our practice in front of a mirror or you know in front of a colleague or in some cases like me you had to do it in front of your boss because if you couldn't prove to him you were worthy, hey, he didn't let you go out and see prospects at all. So, hey, let me really encourage you to do that. And uh, this is, you don't practice because you're lazy or stupid. Just pick one, said Million Dollar Bill. Amen, brother. I'm agreeing with that. And by the way, he's on Blab, and thanks for joining us on Blab. Uh, but that's my, that's, my, uh, that's my rant for the day. I get one every now and then. Miles will let me go off on a rant now and then. Hey, did you find a link for us? I did. I'm waiting for it to pop up right now. And I'll All right. He's going to stick yeah. it in the message bar. And once I see it, I'll give it to our audience listening on uh, Voice America or on the podcast as well. Pablo is a tool that's going to enhance, Miles, uh, your visibility and your shareability on, on Twitter or Pinterest or any of the platforms that we've talked about. I assume that probably includes LinkedIn as well. Uh, and Facebook. So it, it's a great tool. Explain to us briefly, I know this is self-evident to a lot of people, maybe not others, why is a picture making a difference and what is the data telling us uh, about the amount of shares that you get relative to one with you know, with a video or picture and one without? Yep. 
It's um, well, I mean, I think the, the long and short of it is you can pick your source, right, for these for these studies. But I would just tell you, you're gonna you're gonna double the number of shares at a very minimum. Uh, numbers say sixty to seventy something mid seventy percent range by adding an image to your social share. So you know what? Pick one. Pick a number in there, right? But um, right. you know the the truth is is that you know for all of us, I think it's acknowledged that we are all visual thinkers and. Anything with visual will not only help you get the attention of the person you want to get, but they're going to remember the point or the communication way longer than if there's no image involved. It's just common sense. It's why video is booming so much right now, because it's just a proven fact that that's what's going to happen. Yep, absolutely going to make a difference. So when we talk about uh, Pablo, it's at Buffer. You mentioned Buffer.com. Slash Pablo. Did I get that correct? Slash Pablo. You can put a pound sign or a number sign after Pablo if you want. Okay. And what does it cost? What does it cost me to use this tool? Um, for you, Kelly, it's $100 a month. For everyone else, it's free. <laughs> Great. Hey, I'm funding everybody that's listening out there. So I like that. Uh, but it's a free tool. And, and you know, 95% of the tool, 90, 9 out of 10 anyway, of the tools that you bring to the show absolutely don't cost a penny. And they make a huge difference. And by the way, I was with a team of people, a client that I was working with last week, and actually shared three or four of the tools that you've brought onto this show, and they were absolutely shocked and amazed with what's out there and what enables them to do their job much more effectively. So there, there is a lot of good stuff happening on the show, and including Miles completely disappearing from the screen. What'd you do? Restart your computer? What are you, <laughs> what are you doing? You blew. Oh, hey, thanks. Yeah, that's the one thing we don't have on uh, Blab that we have in the radio studio, and that's uh, that's a button that enables you to cough and blow, you know, what we call a cough button. So, did you find a virtual sales kickoff link for me yet? It's uh, it's isn't it? In, or maybe I didn't hit enter. Hold on. Well, it, it always helps if you hit enter. There you go. There All right. So, oh, so gosh, you don't have something simpler than that. All right. If you want to see the link where you can go watch the replay, you got to find us on Blab. I'm sorry. Fast forward to a minute number 55 or something like 53, and you're going to find uh, that link. But it's it's uh, webinar.jam or webinarjam.net, and then it's got a bunch of crud afterwards. Well, hey, listen, uh, one of the announcements <laughs> one of the announcements we wanted to make today, 86 shows we've done, Miles, and you've been on almost all of those. And today, uh, sadly, marks the end of BizLocker Radio. We're going to uh, stop doing the show currently the way we do it. And uh, we, we hate to do so, but uh, a lot of the things that you've talked about, changes in technology and the cost of those uh, <laughs> million-dollar bill. What? Yeah. A lot of the, the cost in technology and, and the things that, uh, that we're doing now have evolved dramatically. We've got to find a different way to do this if we're going to do it. And uh, so we're going to get out there and get busy and see what opportunities may exist. But what we're doing now, we want to do better. Video has changed the game. Uh, costs have changed the game. But I can assure you, at some point, uh, at some point down the road, we're going to try to find a way to continue to bring the value that we're bringing. We just we don't know what it is yet. So possibility we could uh, do the occasional blab uh, that we could uh, do something different but miles i want to tell you man uh, it has been a genuine pleasure to, to be on the show with you and to have you as a part of it i wish you felt better today so you'd be a little more enthusiastic about it it feels feel like death of a salesman over there <laughs> <laughs> yeah well yeah no no yeah and look it because it, i wouldn't be happy I, it makes me sad as well i think we've talked about this it's um um 
you know, it's it's one of those things. It's almost two years, Kelly. I'll yeah. tell you what I did just for the fun of it to tell you how things have changed. I went back and looked at the first show. You know what the tool was? Was on a very short first show. No, what was it? A, a product called Refresh IO. Why is yeah. this ironic? I have no idea. They don't even exist anymore. LinkedIn. <laughs> LinkedIn bought oh, them. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right? And so, you know, I mean, it just it just shows, to your point, that the technology is changing so rapidly. We've had such a great time on doing the show on Blab. It completely changed the interaction, the 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 just the energy level and all that. Um, it, it's been a lot of fun. And I think, you know, I, I don't – I know you and I know the ambition and the desire you have for your audience. Um, it's not – Forever, it's just a matter. We let's re-swizzle this thing and kind of figure out where we're going to go to give the best value to the most people on a consistent basis. Well, I thank you, my brother. You have made this uh, show a lot of what it is, and you've brought tremendous value to the show. Get lots of comments from people. Hey, that's going to do it for us. That's going to wrap it up. Show number eighty-six, and we come to the end of an era. Thanks to Miles Austin, fillthefunnel.com, at Miles Austin on Twitter. He is absolutely a phenomenal resource, and I thank you, my friend, because I have learned a lot from you, and uh, a lot of these tools are now a regular part of what I do, and uh, I didn't even remember that one, Refresh. I remember a lot of them. Hey, uh, thanks to Michael Surgit as well, our engineer on the other side of the glass. He has been absolutely phenomenal with us. He's uh, been patient through a lot of technical issues and really helped us out in a lot of ways. We're going to miss him as well. Thanks to Voice America for allowing us to be a part of their platform. And Jason Jordan, our final guest, number 86. Great to have you on board. Thanks for being here. Jason R. Jordan on Twitter at VantagePointPerformance.com. Miles, that's going to do it. It's been a blast. We'll look forward to it. We'll be talking. We're buds. You bet. Thanks for joining us here on BizLocker Radio. And we'll see you next time if we ever get around to doing it again. Thanks for being here. Thanks for tuning in to Biz Locker Radio with Kelly Riggs. For more compelling interviews and cutting-edge business content, make sure you join us here again next week. Biz Locker Radio airs every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, and 3 p.m. Central Time on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information, visit bizlockerradio.com. Remember, business is a competition. Play to win. Biz Locker Radio is presented by the Business Locker Room. All rights reserved. Opinions expressed by guests on the show may not be the opinions of Business Locker Room Incorporated.